0: Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. You guys doing okay? Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you guys so much for being here. Wasn't that great? Praise band? Y'all can give them a hand. That was awesome, wasn't it? Thank you, Lord. I want to tell you... uh, I think sometimes we overlook stories like I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I think a miracle happened, personally. Um, But a church member um, heard a gunshot outside their home uh, about two weeks ago. And the church member, being more brave than I am, immediately went outside to see what was going on. Uh, and they uh, walked out and there was a young man who lived next door that had some emotional problems and um, he had shot a dog apparently the dog was trying to attack his cat or some something like that and um, she went and talked to the young man uh, once again braver than me um, got the gun from the young man had the young man come in and sit down she called the young man's parents and the parents then called the proper authorities and the situation was resolved and um, what's kinda crazy is is young man is getting the help he needs now um, but the young man admitted that he was gonna shoot the dog and then shoot himself so if one of our members hadn't went next door, that young man would probably be dead. So Ms. Schumann, thank you so much. Ms. Schumann's right here in the middle. Wave your hand. Thank you so much for being Christ, girl. Isn't that amazing? Wave your hand, Miss Schumann. People want to see. People want to see who you are. Wave your hand. There you go. It was the Lord, I know, but you listened. Because if the Lord would have said, hey, go outside where the guy has the gun, I'd be like, oh, you sure about that? You sure about that? It's amazing. It's an amazing story, and I wanted to share it with you. The message I'm going to tell you and talk to you about today had you told me 20 years ago that this text of the scripture that we're going to talk about today would have been relevant, I would have said, You're crazy. As a matter of fact, had you told me 15 years ago <clears throat> that the text we're going to read today would have been relevant for today, I'd have said, eh, I don't know about all that. As a matter of fact, if you told me 10 years ago that the text we're going to read today would have been relevant for today, I would have not have believed you. But the text we're going to read today is very relevant for today. And it's a message that I think we all need to hear, including me. And it's in the message there's going to be reminders for us because I think sometimes we get a little bit sidetracked and we forget certain things. And so with that said... Let's take a look at the Scriptures. The first thing I want to tell you is, is the main goal of the book of John is found in John 20. It says this, it says, These are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And here's the point, And that by believing in Him, you will have life. By what? The power of His name. So, John's whole point of the book is believe and live. Believe and live. That's the point of the book. The scripture we'll be reading today is found in John chapter 15, starting in verse 18. And we're going to go through chapter 16, verse 4. (laughs) Read it with me. It says this. It says, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. The world would love you as one of its own if you belonged to it, but you are no longer part of the world. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all this to you because of me, for they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father. And if I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, They have seen everything I did, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in the scripture that says they hated me without cause. But I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. And chapter 16, verse 1 continues, I've told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. For you will be expelled from the synagogues, and the time is coming when those who kill you will think they are doing a holy service for God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now so that when they when when they happen... You will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you for a little while longer. Let me pray. Lord God, we love your word. We're thankful for your word that teaches us and allows us to grow. Come now and teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. What exactly is Jesus trying to say here? What is he trying to tell them in these last words that he's given them before the cross? What is He wanting them to be prepared for? What does He want us to be prepared for? Today I want to look at a few truths about the text that we just read. And the first truth is simply this. There is a cost to following Christ. I want you to hear that again. There is a cost to following Christ. Let me tell you what cost I've paid for following Christ. I want you to hear this. I've lost friendships because I have followed Christ. I've lost church members because I have chosen to follow Christ. Literally, you guys, I have taught straight from this Bible. Straight from the Bible. Now, I will say this whenever I teach from the Bible I try to do less speaking and let the Bible do more speaking. Are you with me? Because I'm an idiot, and the Bible is not. Are you with me? And so are you, and the Bible is not. Just kind of how we are, right? That's right. That's how it is. So, I've taught certain verses that offended people. And I would say this, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think our church would probably be a little bit bigger if I didn't do so much of that. The Scripture calls it wanting to... It, 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 you're, you're, you're letting them hear what their itching ears so desire. And that is is that they skip over, that I would skip over certain aspects of the Scripture because it's offensive. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, listen, the Gospel is offensive. Do you realize the Gospel is telling you, you can't do it. And that's offensive to people. But I have lost church members because of that, I've lost business because I follow Christ. I've been talked about because I follow Christ. I've been judged because I follow Christ. One of the hardest things that you experience as a pastor, I was a youth pastor before I became a lead pastor, and one of the hardest things you experience is whenever you have poured into students for, for years, literal years, I would usually get them for about six years of their life. I'm going to pause here and give you a little caveat. Parents, the world has got a hold on your children every day. Let the, we pour money into our children's ministry and our student ministry for a reason. Skip the baseball practice and let your kids come to youth. I promise you this. If you will let your kids come to student ministry, I promise you that they will be poured into by our student pastor and our volunteers. I promise you that. I promise you that. Take the time to do that. But I digress. One of the hardest things to do is, is to pour and to be in the lives of these people to see them come into the student ministry a little bit awkward and then leave as an adult that's leaving off to go to college or trade school or a career. That's been one of the hardest things is when they get out into the world, oftentimes their foundation isn't firm enough and they get pulled away. And they start believing things that the world would tell them. And then they begin to get angry with me. And I'm like, you know who I am. The message that offended you is the same message that you heard back when you were in the youth group. I've changed none. Zero. Literally, on that aspect, I've changed none. And that's really difficult. So it's cost me relationships. It really, it really has. I'll tell you this. This is kind of a funny story. It's, 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 it's funny to me now looking back, but it wasn't funny then. But we were in Haiti. <clears throat> and we went there, most people, most people saved up their money, there were people that took vacation time to go, and we went to Haiti, and uh, the way Haiti worked is we would drive out to the location that we were doing the ministry or we were doing the building at, and Haiti has these, this, it's water flowing down, they're, they're like, it's like a trench, it's concrete, but it flows through like all of the areas coming down, and they would wash their clothes in the, that trench you know and the water would keep flowing by him but that and I guess whoever's a mile down they get their dirt and their dirt and their soap and then they're washing their clothes so it doesn't really make a lot of sense but it's all had. and I'll never forget it because uh, my son was sitting beside me and we were in Haiti and I looked over and there were a Haitian woman flashing me I've been flashed because I, I literally I was shocked I was like whoa Blake look that way son look that way Look that way, son. And I was like, why would she do that? And they were all laughing. And then she started giving me the universal sign for hello or other things. I've been shot the bird because I'm a follower of Jesus. The truth is, is that they didn't want us there. They didn't want us there. And I always wondered why. Because we came there to help. But some people didn't want us there. Here's the tough part, y'all. Here's the tough part of the cost. Because you're doing exactly what God has asked you to do. And your heart is genuinely for other people, yet those other people will reject you just like the Scripture says. So don't be surprised because it costs you something to follow Christ. Let's look at Luke chapter 14 and see what it says. Luke chapter 14 starting in verse 25. Luke 14 starting in verse 25 says this. Let me get over to it here. It says <clears throat> my the title of this heading for me is the cost of being a disciple. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, "If you want to be my disciple, you must take everyone else by comparison your father and your mother and your wife and your children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you what? Count the cost. For, it, it, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete uh, only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person that started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Count the cost. Now, what does he say there? A lot of people don't like that verse because it says you must, by comparison, you must hate your father and mother and brothers and sisters and friends and that you must die to yourself and you must take up your cross and follow daily. Let me say a couple things. The first thing I'll tell you is this. It's by comparison. It doesn't say, most people quote that and they say, well, Jesus said I gotta hate my brother and sister. No, he, he didn't. Um, what he said is, is I want you to be so committed to me that the love you have for your family by comparison is almost seen as hate because you're so devoted to what I'm all about. And you're following me so closely. I want you to know that. He's not saying, as a matter of fact, it's the opposite. He's saying, listen, I want you to love me 100%, wholeheartedly, unabashedly, unashamed, 100%. That's what he's saying. The other thing I want you to see is this. He says you need to take up your cross. Well, what's your cross? Well, it's the guy that does the cross when he walks across the country, right? He puts it on his shoulder. That's what he read the scripture, and he put it on his shoulder and walked across. And I always point this out, but I always think it's funny, but he's got a wheel on the back of the cross. You know the wheel? He's got the wheel on the back of the cross. He's cheating. He's cheating over there because if you're going to pick up your cross, like he said, you've got to do the whole thing. You can't have a wheel on the back, Right? I guess I'm the only one that thinks that's funny. I just think it's hilarious when someone's saying, I am committed to Jesus and I'm putting a wheel on the back so I can roll it easier. No, listen, that's not what that means at all. You know what that means? Do you know know what the cross is? The cross is death. It's a symbol of death. And when you take up whose cross? You take up your cross. And what is your cross? Well, it's not some burden you have to bear. It's your very life. You take up your cross. You take up your very life. You die to yourself and you follow Christ. That's the cost of being a disciple. There is a cost to being a disciple. I want you to know that this is part of the deal. I don't want you. It's interesting because you would think that Jesus would tell them this. You would think he'd say, oh, y'all, everything's going to be okay. You won't have any problems at all. It's all going to be good. But he didn't say that at all, did he? He said, hey, listen. And I love there's a verse, if you read it, it says this, it says, now when they kill you, can you imagine being sitting there as a disciple going, okay, okay. And then he says, now when they kill you. Okay, Jesus, can we go back to the when situation? Can we circle that one? That's what he says. He's letting them know there's a cost to be had. And I want to tell you something. I've experienced that in my own life. The question I have is, have you experienced it? Have you experienced the losing of friendships? Have you experienced Because you refused, you refused, you refused to go the way of the world. You refused to do that. So the first thing I want you to know out of these texts is Jesus is saying this. There's a cost to following Christ. But I found out something that I think you need to know as well. And I think we forget this sometimes. Guys, listen. The world is always going to act like the world. I want to say that again. The world is always going to act like the world. What's amazing to me is is that people are surprised or shocked that the world is acting like the world. There is nothing new under the sun. The world has always acted like the world. Now you may be thinking, why does the world always act like the world? I'm glad you ask. Let me tell you why the world always acts like the world. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and void, and we we start to see it. It says the Spirit of God began to hover over the waters of the land. And the great redemption story was going to be written. But something happened because there was communion with God. And Adam and Eve were communing with God, and there was a closeness there. And there was a there was a, a, a just an unbelievable covenant there. And the covenant was broken. And so the nature, I want you to hear this, the very nature of Adam and Eve because of the broken covenant was separated. And because it was separated, their nature turned from that which communed with God to a nature that was sinful. So, they now have a sinful nature. And you and I, even today, Battle oftentimes a sinful nature, and the reason why we have that is because of the fall. However, I want you. I got. I got good news for those. Remember, I told you the things that Holy Spirit does. I told you, and one of the things He does is He ushers in the presence of God, and He ushers in and He connects us with Christ. That's one of the things Holy Spirit's doing. We're going to talk all about that next week, by the way. That's a little free preview. But Holy Spirit ushers in Christ because of Christ and because of what Christ has done. He has now bridged the divide that was so that we cannot take on our own nature, but so that we can take on the very nature of Christ. Are you with me? And so the reason why we may be surprised at the world is because we have the nature of Christ living in us. And so when we see something that the world's doing, we have to understand that is the sinful nature that is traced all the way back to the garden. And it's not ever going to change until the final judgment of Christ. That's it. Until the world is fully redeemed. That's why the world is always going to act like the world. It's because of the fall. The world will always choose sin over righteousness. I want you to hear that. It will always choose sin over righteousness. The world will always choose self over Scripture and the world will always choose themselves over God. I want you to hear that. Now, here's the thing that usually occurs. Whenever I say things like that, people say, amen. Yes, you're right. You're exactly right. And so then here's what we do. What we do is, is we begin to do what Christ would say is to hate the world. You know, you're to hate the world and love, love, love Christ enough and know that we're having eternity in heaven and we're to, you know, we're not, we're not, we're to be in the world, but not of the world In those scriptures. But here, here's what most people do is, is they think, well, the world. And what they do is, is they place a label on a person. But here's the next thing that I found out. And it's this. We're to love people in the world, not the world. I want you to hear that. We're to love people in the world, but not the world. And I think many of us have this confused. Let's look at what John 1 John chapter 2 says. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 and 16. It says this it's up there it says do not love this world nor the things in it offered that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Can we leave that scripture up there right there? Because that's kind of amazing. If you really look at this, you will see this is kind of amazing. This text was written 2,000 years ago. And yet, here we see in, in black and white, The world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see. And I love this pride in our achievements and possessions. They are not from the father, but from this world pride in our achievements and possessions pride in what we've done pride in what we have. Look at us. Look at what I can afford. Look at, and here's even worse. We actually go out of our way to try to keep up with that person over there who can afford something better. And sometimes, and I've heard people do this, they've gotten angry with God and said, God, why can't I have what they have? And those things are of the world, though. Those things are not from the Father. And so, let's go back. Can you go back to Verse 15. Verse 15, it says, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers. But that's confusing. I, I don't understand that. Because, let's turn to John 3.16. John 3.16. Surely y'all know that, right? So, for this is how God... Wait a minute. What? Can you go back to the second... Can you go back to that verse, the, verse 15? Can you go back? Do not love this world, nor... The things it offers. Okay, well that's weird. Now go, because this is John writing this. Now Let's go back to, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. You see the word everyone? That's a person. Every person. I want you to get this. Every person. The world, you guys, is one thing, but people are something else. Listen, we oftentimes think it's a person that we are supposed to hate or dislike. We think it's an individual because we see them walking out the world's values. But here's what I want to tell you. If God hadn't saved you and I, we would be right there with them we would be right there with them can i tell you something we are to uh, let me just say this when i say the world i i'm saying the systems and the principles and the philosophies and the values that take literally james says this Take us away when we are dragged away and enticed. That is what we are to hate. They convince us that Scripture isn't true. The people in the world are not in need of your hate. They are in need of Christ. They're in need of Christ they need to they need to experience what you have experienced and what i have experienced and they need to see Christ in you the hope of glory colossians 127 says this colossians 127 says for god wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too and this is the secret Christ lives in you This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory. There is a hope in his glory that people in the world need to see. There's a saying that I love that a friend of mine used to say all the time. He used to say he did a whole sermon called, but for the grace of God, go I. But for the grace of God, go I. Can I be honest with you about something? Some people aren't easy to love, y'all. They're not. Some people are not easy to love. You know, the Scriptures talk about that somewhere, don't they? Don't it talk about maybe? Lynn, what about Luke chapter 6? Maybe verse 32. Is there something about that? I think there may be. It says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to only those who do good to you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even every sinner will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting them to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthinkable and wicked." And you must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. Man, that is a hard pill to swallow. Because what we want to do is, is we want to, what Brother Roy here would say, is we want to treat them like Pharisees. Right? We want to get in their face and we want to, you know what I mean? for so long there's a scripture i think it's in the book of uh, i think it's in the book of proverbs i think it's proverbs 18 around there but it was my favorite scripture for a long time it said a fool's mouth begs a beating so i'm thinking awesome begs a beating a fool's mouth begs a beating that's awesome but the reality is is that we are to hate the world but not the people in the world because for the grace of God but for the grace of God go us it's not the person we're to hate it's the systems and the principles and philosophies and the values those values say that Jesus isn't real those values say God doesn't exist and that eternity doesn't matter but people need to see Christ in you they need to see Christ in you I was at a grocery store one day um Kroger, I was at Kroger at Thomas Crossroads right over here, and uh, I spotted a former student, and it's always, this is always amazing to me because I would, I will post little things here and there, and sometimes former students will comment on it, but this, for, this student, you know, <coughs> I call her a keyboard, a keyboard warrior. She was the keyboard warrior because she disagreed and she had been taught what the scripture says, but she was living a lifestyle that was against that and she had been convinced by the world that that was not the truth and so she did not like things I posted. I mean, I think I could have put Jesus loves you and she would have put, yeah, but does he really? I mean, she was one of, you know, it was like one of these things. But my love for her never changed. Um, I kept trying to, you know, Respond nicely and everything, but she was so angry a lot. And, um, by the way, did you guys know that whenever you have Christ inside of you and you're living a life that is wrong and it's contrary to what Holy Spirit inside of you is trying to push, you get angry a lot. Are you with me? You do. We were talking in, in small group this morning, said that don't forget that anger and bitterness, they always corrode the vessel that they carried in. So, you get angry a lot and and this lady was this girl was angry she was a young lady at this time and I turned the corner and I saw her and she saw me and it was like deer in headlights and I picked up a salami and threw it at her I didn't I didn't it was a can of tuna fish but anyway I I didn't do any of that you know what I did I said Hey, how are you? And she was like, "I'm good. How are you?" And I ran over there, obnoxious as can be, and gave her a big old hug. And we sit there and talked for fifteen or twenty minutes. And before she left, she said, "Pastor Barry, it was good. It was so good to see you. I think I may try your church out." And I said, "I would love for you to come." She's never come, but can I tell you what she knows? I don't care what she said on Facebook or social media. And I, You know what? I love her. I do. I do. Do you know why I love her? I want you to get this, y'all. You know why I love her? I love her because I know her story. And I know what she's been through. And I know the challenges that she had. And I know that part of what she's doing is just operating the best she can do with what she was given. And I love her for that. And here's what I want you to understand and know that the people that you dislike and the people that you want to... Listen, you just don't know their story. You just don't. The the reason that the lady caught in adultery was thrown down and the men had stones and Jesus felt compassion, is because Jesus knew her story. He could see everything. And we just don't know people's story. And most of the people, can I be honest with you and tell you that in my years of counseling, when people tell me some of their issues, I always think, man, you should be a lot worse than you are. You know what I'm saying? Man, God's helped you out because if I went through that, I'd be in a corner somewhere. Sucking my thumb. Literally. But that's the deal, y'all. We just don't know their story. We don't. And so, what we do is it's so easy to judge from the external, but we just don't know their story. We don't. Now, does that mean that, that when she comes, if she were to show up tomorrow or next Sunday to the church, am I going to change my message because it may have something that offends her? No, that's not what it means at all. And see, what the world would have you think is, is I've been called a bigot before. Recently. I have. I've been called racist before, and I'm like, I, I, I actually sent him a link. I said, "Here, this is. I did a sermon on racism. Just listen to it. You know." But what what we what we need to realize is is that everyone has a story. And what the world would have you think is is because we stand on the scriptures that somehow we Don't love people. And do you know why they think that? Because we haven't. We haven't loved people. We haven't. But we're going to get better, aren't we? We are. And we're going to learn. And if it's only you, then you can make the impact on the people around you. And one of you... Can start a movement and that movement can grow and grow and yes we are going to be genuine and we're going to be real but we're also going to be loving and part of loving is telling someone the truth loving and lying do not mix It doesn't it doesn't in your relationships and it doesn't here but we're going to do it in a loving way and we're going to tell them hey We love you. We do. Well, no, you don't love me because you believe this. Listen, we love you. Let us show you. Because action speaks a lot more than words. You know what I mean? They really do. How are you going to do this, though? That's the question. How in the world can you do this? How can you do this? How can you genuinely do this? like I know it sounds good on Sunday morning and you guys may agree and shake your head a little bit and then you go back and it's like, yeah, it's kind of impossible, that's pie in the sky. No, it's not. And the reason it's not is this, and this is the final point. Holy Spirit will guide you. If you allow Holy Spirit to guide you, he will guide you. Verse 26 of our text says, But I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of truth, and He will come to you from the Father and will testify about me. And you, after He comes, and you will also must also testify about me because you have been with me from the very beginning. Holy Spirit will guide you. How is He going to guide you? I'm glad you asked. Come back next week <laughs> to be continued. Because next week we're talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. Last, last couple of weeks ago we talked about the role of Holy Spirit. Next week we're talking about the work of Holy Spirit. And it just gets gooder and gooder. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for the people that are here with open hearts and open minds to listen and learn and grow. And let us be people that are genuine with you. And let us be honest about where we are so that you can start at that point and begin to move us forward through our sanctification process. Thank you that we have received you, God. Thank you for changing our lives. And God, there may be people here that said, you know what? I've never done that. I've never said, Lord, I repent of my sin, and I want to follow you. And if those people are here today, I pray that you would do that right now. I pray that you would, in your seat, say, Lord, I want to follow you. Come into my life and save me. I want to follow you, Lord. And if you feel that tug of right deep inside you, that's Holy Spirit tugging you. For my own self, God, you know that you chased me for a couple years. But submission gave me freedom. And I pray that everyone here will experience that. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We're going to sing a final worship song. As as always, our altars are wide open. And I would love to pray with you. I know someone, people here would love to pray with you. Jonathan will be over here. I'll be on the other side. Come forward and don't leave the burden that you walked in with, but be changed from the inside out. Let's stand up and sing our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.